From Alaska Teen Media Institute, this is Podcast in Place, Youth Stories from Quarantine, a series about youth in Alaska during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm APNE producer Daisy Carter, recording this in the APNE studio. It's been over a year since we started working from home. Usually we're recording these intros on our phones or tablets, huddled under a blanket in a closet or something. But now that many of us are fully vaccinated, we've started reopening the studio in a limited capacity. And speaking of being vaccinated, for this episode, we're going to hear from a woman who has been administering the COVID-19 vaccine. Tina DeLapp is a retired nurse who also ran the School of Nursing at UAA for a number of years. Earlier this year, Tina started volunteering to help get shots into arms. Youth health reporter Jania Toomey spoke with her about the emotional responses of people receiving the vaccine, having conversations with friends and family who might be hesitant, and her early days in the medical field. They spoke on May 11, 2021. And so you've been administering the vaccine during this pandemic. Yeah, I have until recently. Yeah. How long were you doing that for? Um, And could you describe your first day administering the vaccine? (laughs) Yeah, um, I started in early February. I actually, as soon as the opportunity became available and I was fully vaccinated, um, I I volunteered. I was kind of desperate to do something to help. Um, and I, I contacted the school district, which had sent out a call for still licensed retired nurses to volunteer their time to help with the vaccine clinics. And I got some information, some printed information from them. Um, actually, the first day I went, I did not know if I was going to be actually be giving the vaccinations or if I was going to be observing the people who had gotten their vaccinations. It turned out they used retired nurses whose licenses were no longer active to be the observers. And they used people who still had active registered nurse licenses to actually administer the medication. So I was a vaccinated. The first challenge was getting used to the school district's computers. I'm sure you probably grew up with those little laptops um, with, you know, the funny little, little uh, space bars on the, on the laptop. No mice, that sort of thing. Fortunately, I was pretty used to that. And then once I got the hang of that, uh, then I just started giving people shots. And it turns out that muscle memory is really good, and the skill came back very quickly. In addition to retired nurses, what sort of people, um, what sort of people were they looking for in terms of vaccinators? Who who else was reached out to during this process? You know, I don't really know that. You could check with the uh, Anchorage School District to see if they reached out to other people. I know some. Some of my former colleagues volunteered with the state and they ended up giving vaccinations at the Alaska Airlines Center on the UAA campus as well. Um, when, When the school district thing came out, the call for volunteers, I responded right away 
And I, within, within a day, they had come back to me and said, show up here at this time and, and, and we'll provide lunch. Oh, that's so nice of them. <laughs> um, do you know anybody that was like asked to be a vaccinator, but then declined the offer? You know, I don't. My experience, you know, nursing is kind of an interesting field. Even if you retire, even if you, even if you give up your license, you really never stop being a nurse. It's, uh, it is probably, at least in my view, and maybe this is partly my age, but in my view, being a nurse is a calling. And once you are a nurse, it's, you're a nurse forever, even, even if you retire. Um, People, people might say to me, people that I meet might say, uh, oh, yeah, what did you, oh, you're a nurse. Oh, gee, I have this ache. And immediately this switch flips on and it's like, well, how are you taking care of that? And have you talked to your doctor? And, um, it's just sort of an automatic, almost knee-jerk reaction. I love that. Yeah, so a little more about how the process of vaccinating people went along. What were some emotions that people showed when they got vaccinated? What was the general reaction like? The general reaction was relief. The, um, there were people who got cheery. There were people who were scared, who hated needles, but they, they, they were so relieved and so eager to to get the vaccine and, and it was for, for some of them, it was, it was to, um, to get back to health, to feel like they could go out and do things without risking their lives because the people who were getting vaccines all believe that COVID-19 is a real thing and, and that it, it can make people not live. Um, and they didn't want to expose relatives, and they, they wanted to go see their aging parents. It was, it was a little disconcerting because I was supposedly, it was in the early days, so it was the people on the list were elders. It was a little disconcerting to realize that the elders I was giving shots to were sometimes five and ten years younger than I am. Um, I found myself remembering back in the days of the polio vaccination drives in the mid-50s, where I remember kids standing in line crying that they didn't want a shot. Don't make me get a shot, Mom. Uh, there were, those were the same people I was vaccinating. And there was, if there were tears, they were tears of joy and tears of relief. People were, and, and there were a couple of times when I was teary about it too, because people were so grateful. Yeah, I think like there's been a lot of lead up to getting vaccinated. And at least for me, I'm somebody who's really scared of shots. Um, but still, the experience of getting mine was a huge relief. Um, and it, it felt like progress was finally being made. You mentioned that the people that are getting vaccines are generally aware of the dangers of COVID-19 and believe in those dangers. There are people that are skeptical of the vaccine and don't want to get it. Um, without giving any names, do you have any friends or family that are skeptical and has that affected your relationship with them at all? I have, 
I have friends who have opted to not get the vaccine. Um, they want to wait and see. I and they're, I mean, and some of them are even health providers. I had to see a dentist, and he asked me what I'd been up to, and I said, "Oh, I've been giving vaccinations. Have you gotten yours yet?" He said, "I'm going to wait a while," which is unfathomable to me. It's um, and this particular dentist also happens to be a physician, and it is it is completely unfathomable to me that somebody is that worried about it because it's tested science. It's well documented as being safe and efficacious or effective. Um, so I don't understand that. And, and the fact that there are people who are skeptical has made, has made my husband and I make some, some life choices about things that we are and are not going to do around our house. Um, like we thought we would get carpet replaced, but the place that would sell us the carpet could not guarantee that the, the carpet installers would be vaccinated and we're just not going to have unvaccinated people in our house because, because of the variants. We're in an, an aging group and uh, would be more vulnerable to serious disease if we got exposed to a variant that the vaccine was not effective against. So uh, in terms of relatives, if I have relatives who are worried about it or skeptical about it, they don't have the nerve to tell me that. My kids are both vaccinated um, and their spouses are both vaccinated. And my 14 year old grandson is looking for an appointment right now in Connecticut. Very exciting. It's exciting that the youngest people will be able to get it now? Young people tend to believe in science. I, I think one of the things that I've heard recently is that the most disturbing thing about, about um, the mood of the country right now is people's willingness to, to substitute their own not, it, not informed uh, judgment for the um, for the the decisions or the expertise of experts, um, you know, I I believe Fauci. I I can look at the science because I have some background, and I can understand where it came from. Um, but but there there is a level beyond which my expertise is certainly doesn't even approach Dr. Fauci's. But the man. He basically has run his NIH institute for years. He's an expert, and and I don't have, I don't have the expertise to, to really question mm -hmm. what he's saying. Yeah, some of what you've said about trusting experts and trusting science is already really convincing to me. But I want to ask you, what would you say to somebody who's hesitant to get the vaccine? I would say, you know, if you're not doing it for yourself, you're doing it for your community. You're doing it for other people. If you happen to believe that what Anchorage really needs to do to get back on track and and start start progressing and growing and living again, then get vaccinated because that's what's going to do it. Um, it's that's the only way we're going to get back. And, and you know, we can take lessons from the 1918 uh, pandemic, flu pandemic, uh, which actually started in Kansas, not in Spain, 
even though we call it the Spanish flu. Um, the people, you know, we didn't have the we didn't have the luxury of vaccines in those days, and we were impacted for a good two and a half years by wave after wave after wave. And unless we get to pretty solid herd immunity, we're going to experience more waves. You can see that now. Um, you can see that now in some areas of the state. You can see that in some areas of the country uh, where people who are not vaccinated, you're seeing higher and higher case counts, you're seeing more deaths, and you're seeing cases in people who were previously thought to be not really vulnerable. Um, I think I saw, I think I saw today there was a death in Fairbanks of a 40-year-old. I could be wrong about that. Um, but they're seeing 20-year-olds in, in the hospital in Fairbanks. So the virus is getting better at, at, at infecting people that are not the people who were thought to be most vulnerable. Um, so I would say if you're, if, you, if you're skeptical for yourself, please believe the experts when they say it is safe um, and, and do it for the other people in your life, the people that you don't want to infect. What do you think our biggest hurdle is to getting back to normal or ending the pandemic? Um, I actually think that vaccine hesitancy is a thing that is, is the biggest hurdle. Um, and I think there are some people who are not convincible. Um, and that makes me sad for them because they're going to be vulnerable to this infection for a long time. I... I feel badly for some people. You know, I keep hearing, I heard the other day somebody talking about, well, remember thalidomide, and you're way too young to remember thalidomide. But thalidomide was a drug that was never approved in the United States. The people who, who, were, who had babies that were impacted by thalidomide uh, because they took it when they were pregnant did so naively, but they didn't get it from from the United States because thalidomide never got approved in the United States. It never went through the FDA. It never went through the rigorous testing. That happened in other countries. That's not true of the vaccine. It has been tested and tested and tested. So it, I, I think vaccine hesitancy is the, biggest, is the biggest hurdle. And unfortunately, it's gotten tied up in politics. Um, and that really is the kiss of death for some people. And for some people, it will be their death. Yeah, the vaccine is definitely a politically charged um, issue, even though it shouldn't be. But to look on the bright side a little bit, for a while, Alaska was leading vaccination rates um, across the country. And I'm wondering why you think Alaska's rollout has been so effective compared to other states. What are we doing right? I think there's a lot of things. I think I think Alaska has been fortunate demographically because we got more vaccines up front. We got our state allocation, but the the Native Health Services got their allocation and the military got their allocation. So we basically got got lots of vaccine right away. Um I really can't comment on what the state's overall response to it has been. 
I will tell you the Anchorage School District jumped on it right away and they became a major contributor to the to to herd immunity in the community. And I heard lots and lots and lots of people say to me, boy, they should have just given the school district all the vaccines. You guys are doing a great job. It was it was an amazing process. They had people checking people in in a very efficient manner. They were um, they they had cleaners assigned to the the vaccine area so that somebody sat down at my station. Uh, we did my little spiel about this is what's happening and do you have any questions and do you have any contraindication? I gave them the shot. A lot of them said, "Are you done?" I didn't feel a thing. Um, and then then they got up and they went back to the observation area where they waited for fifteen to 30 minutes, depending on their risk factors. And by the as the minute they got up, the cleaners were there uh, sanitizing the workstation and, and uh, the chair, and suddenly somebody else was in my chair. And like I said, people were grateful. Yeah, I was definitely grateful when I got vaccinated. Um, I got Johnson & Johnson about a couple months ago. Yeah. But, you know, it, it went well, but I did experience some side effects. I had a fever for a day. I had a pretty bad headache. What are some side effects that you've been hearing from people that are vaccinated? Well, I, I heard about side effects from people who were there for second shots um, because, you know, they didn't experience the, shot, the, the side effects when they were physically with me for their first shots, but I've heard similar sorts of things. Um, you know, you ha- people say the same thing about the flu shot, and sometimes people will say, oh, I got a flu shot last year, and it made me sicker than the dog. I got the flu from the flu shot. They didn't really. The, the symptoms that they experienced were evidence that their immune system was gearing up and, and uh, reacting to the vaccine by making antibodies. So the fact that you had symptoms afterwards, a day or so afterwards, basically should be reassuring to you that you basically are having an immune response. You're having a response to the vaccine. When you got vaccinated, did you experience any side effects? No, and actually I was kind of sorry I didn't <laughs> because it I didn't get that 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 hint that my immune system was was working. I trust that it is uh, because I've certainly been out and about, um, still masked and still social distancing, but you know, I could have easily been exposed, but to neither one. I, my husband did experience, I think he took a nap this after the second shot, which is not his norm, but, uh, but I didn't experience anything. And I got the Pfizer vaccine. My son-in-law, I think, got the Pfizer vaccine. My daughter got Moderna. She experienced um, the same kinds of things that you are describing. But, but to me, that should be reassuring to you. That, that basically says it's working. And the same thing is true next fall when it's time for your flu shot. Mm-hmm. It's worth getting. Yeah, if side effects indicate an immune response, would that mean that it's more likely for somebody who's already had COVID to experience more serious side effects? 
you know, first of all, I'll, I'll take issue with the word serious because uncomfortable maybe, but the reality is a headache is not really a serious side effect. Uh, feeling like you need to take a nap. And in fact, my advice to people when I was giving shots were, yeah, you may, you may have a fever. You might want to try some Tylenol. Um, you may feel really, really tired. The treatment for that is to take a nap. And people all said, I can do that. Um, I mean, the reality is you just need to listen to your body. I have heard at least one or two people say they had had COVID. We made people wait for a period of time after they were now negative for COVID before they got the vaccine. Um, but they did talk about having, having almost immediate, like the next day side effects. But they weren't any worse, and they certainly weren't any worse with COVID. And I had one woman tell me that she had gotten COVID early last, last spring, and that she was just now, this spring, getting her sense of taste and smell back. And she said, basically, life was not worth living if I couldn't taste or smell anything. It was really boring. <laughs> I had to make myself eat. The other thing about the other thing that really worries me and that seems to be impacting younger people more is what is being called long haul syndrome, where people are having debilitating, persistent symptoms where they still don't have the energy to to live their lives the way they want to, um, who can't go to the grocery store unless there's a scooter available for them to be able to go go through the through the store and do their shopping. And the reality is that sounds really awful to me. I would, I, it would be, I could probably deal with a lack of sense of smell better than I could deal with being constantly tired and low energy. And it's not worth the risk. Plus I'm gonna go see my grandkids at the end of the month and I'm really excited to be able to travel again. Without, without risking giving them the disease. Yeah, that's very exciting. I love that. Um, <laughs> just to wrap up, I think there's, there's been a lot, of, a lot of great points made here. Um, I just want to circle back really fast and ask you a little bit about your history in the medical profession and why you chose to go into medicine in the first place. And like, if you have any final reflections about being a vaccinator. Well, I, I wanted to be a nurse from the time I was a little girl, and it was probably because my mother was a nurse. And I went into nursing school right out of, out of high school, and I loved it. I loved being able to physically provide care to people who were at really vulnerable times of their life, both physically vulnerable but also emotionally vulnerable. Because when you're sick, it's, you know, it's an onslaught on who you are. Um, and eventually I decided that what I really liked to do was help other people learn how to take care of, of people. But the reality is, the reality is even, even when I was being a teacher of nurses, I was still being a nurse. Um, and, and that's true today. Uh, I was, I was desperate to try to to, to do something that would help deal with the pandemic. 
And I knew that, number one, I was old, so I was vulnerable. So I, and, and besides that, I hadn't worked in a hospital for a long time. Uh, so I couldn't go back into the hospital and help the nurses there. I would have been a hindrance more than a help. So for, um, for about a month, I had a friend who was an ICU nurse at ANMC. And for about a month, once a week, I would meet her in the parking lot at, at ANMC as she was getting off work and hand her six dozen cookies to take to the nurses who were working in ICU. Because that was all I could do. And it didn't feel like enough. So when the call to volunteer to vaccinate uh, went out, I jumped on it and felt privileged, felt honored, uh, and felt reassured that I still knew how to give shots. And some people didn't even feel them. <laughs> yeah, I didn't feel mine. You know, I'm so scared of them, but mine didn't feel it at all. Didn't hurt one bit. So I'm definitely grateful to whoever vaccinated me. Well, thank you for getting vaccinated because, I mean, you're going to stay healthy, but you're helping your community stay healthy and get back to normal. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for letting me interview you. Um, this has been great and also super interesting hearing from the perspective of a vaccinator. So it was yeah, fun. Thank you so much. It was an I'm honor. I'm glad. <laughs> Hopefully first time, but not your last. <laughs> Thanks. That was youth health reporter Jania Toomey speaking with Tina DeLapp. You've been listening to Podcast in Place, youth stories from quarantine from Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme music was composed by Devin Schreckengost. You can find these stories at alaskateenmedia.org, where we have included resources for youth during quarantine in partnership with the State of Alaska Division of Behavioral Health. Alaska Teen Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska, we would like to acknowledge the Denina people whose land we work on. Many thanks to the supporters of our podcast, including John O'Hara, James McCoy, and the Alaska Press Club. The views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent the views of the Alaska Press Club or other sponsors. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our program and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you would like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and help keep our podcast going, You can support us through Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors just like APNE. Just go to patreon.com slash alaskateenmedia. You can also help out by subscribing to, rating, or writing a review of our series on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps get our stories out there. And don't forget to check out our website, alaskateenmedia.org. There, you can learn more about what our organization does, discover more youth-produced content, or find out how to get involved. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all sorts of updates. For Alaska Team Media Institute, I'm Daisy Carter. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there, and we'll get through this together.